Hi, this is Surya Devi, and welcome to A Voice for Love. I'm a world music artist and healer living on the unceded traditional territories of the Coast Salish people, otherwise known as Vancouver, Canada. We're going to be speaking with leaders and visionaries from around the world to talk more about what it means to be a voice for love. We're going through massive changes on the planet right now, and I believe that what the world needs more than ever are people who are aligned, heart-led, and who can speak from the soul to help usher in even bigger shifts that will elevate us all into a more harmonious and prosperous existence together. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey everyone, welcome to A Voice for Love. This is Surya, and today I have a very special guest for you, and it is Sarah Ashley. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks, Surya. It's so wonderful to be here. I appreciate you having me on today. Well, thank you so much for coming, and I'm so excited to talk to you because I know you are an astrologer, amongst other things. So please tell us a little bit about what it is that you do. Sure. So just like you said, I'm an astrologer. I've been into it basically since I was seven years old. It's kind of a funny story. Um, my mom bought me this birthday book and it talked about Capricorn and what the birthday meant, what January 17th meant. And that just piqued my interest. And I started reading books from there, started doing chart readings for my friends in high school. Um, and then about two years ago, um, when we had a pandemic and we were all forced to stay home, I started doing more astrology just to see like if the astrology that I was seeing actually was, you know, what was reflected in, in all the world events. And it was, it was like eerily accurate. So it really threw me back into it. I was teaching uh, special education English for 13 years and it was wearing me out. It was like really draining me. Um, there was a lot of violence in the school I worked at, but then once uh, the pandemic hit and I couldn't be with the kids and I couldn't help them. And a lot of them were economically disadvantaged and didn't have parents in the house and whatnot. I just said, you know, I want to do this because I want to use astrology to uplift the collective, help people connect with their authentic selves. So yeah, I left my job of 13 years to be an astrologer, do tarot cards. I'm also an Akashic records reader. I do all three. Oh, amazing. Well, and all of those things go so well together. So I guess the first thing that's coming to mind is just to, just for anyone who might be skeptical about astrology, because you know that there's people out there who are just like so skeptical and, you know, I understand not everyone believes in everything, but can you tell us a little bit about like, what is the basis behind astrology and like, how does it work? Sure. So the universe is constantly moving. So when you have your birth chart done, it's basically uh, essentially a snapshot of what the planets were doing at the moment you were born. Okay. So many cultures for thousands of years, basically um, all the recorded time that we have, it started with ancient Babylonians, as far as we know, but also um, native American tribes also used astrology, but maybe they didn't use the same terminology as the Babylonians um, used. Um, they used it to um, consult for like anything they were doing. So Royals used it. They had their astrologer by their side to help them out to make any kind of major decision. So for example, when they should get married, um, when they should start a war, <laughs> things of that nature. So it has been used for thousands and thousands of years. Um, it was actually used in the Elizabethan empire. John D was queen Elizabeth's astrologer and a lot of the decisions that she made are still affecting us today as a result of his advisory. So astrology is not something that's new. 
Um, it's like I said, it's been used for thousands of years. It's not just for personality and what boyfriend you should look at or anything like that. It's actually to be taken very seriously. So any kind of major decisions that people make, I would definitely consult the transits in their chart and um, consult a professional astrologer if they need to. Yeah, thank you for that. And I know that there's, you know, many cultures where they have some form of astrology. Like I was like thinking about like Chinese as well. And then like, you know, in India, they have the Vedic and this is all very ancient, you know? And I think that a lot more people than perhaps we're aware of consult astrology for decisions. And it's so interesting that, you know, in the collective people think, oh, some people might think that astrology is weird or strange. And yet I think a lot of big decisions that are made on this planet are actually made with some astrological knowledge in mind, but that's not made public knowledge, right? Exactly. It's probably like a lot of the world leaders that we have right now don't come out with it, right? Because it's kind of taboo, especially in the Western world. Like you were saying, like there's Vedic astrology, Chinese astrology, and they use it for everything. They use it like to match make and it's just very commonplace. But in our Western world, it's pretty much kept on the down low. I think like that what these public figures use to make major decisions. We might not know that they're doing it, but um astrologers can see, I'm like, oh, it's interesting that you chose to make that announcement that day. Mercury retrograde was over. Okay. You know, things of that nature. Yeah. I think it's fascinating. And I think it's fascinating how somebody like yourself, who's a, you know, a professional astrologer who really can look at all of that can actually predict the things. And I've, you know, I follow you and a few other really amazing astrologers. And I find that you guys are always kind of right on top of everything that's going on. You're like, oh, this is happening. And this looks like, and I know from even myself having my own chart done, like, you know, they can look at my chart and like one time someone was like, oh, what just happened to you? Like they could tell that I came out of a very difficult period. And that was, you know, I can't remember what the aspects were, but they're like, oh boy, this is like one of the worst of the worst. I'm like, oh yeah, I just went through what I call seven years of hell. So that's oh, wow. right there. You know, so it's it must all, have been a Pluto transit. <laughs> I think, yeah, Pluto. I think it was, I can't, I can't remember, but it was, you know, so, so it's very interesting. So I think, um, I think like you were talking about, and we talked a little bit before we started here, like about the personal astrology and why that's important, because I think maybe people read the, just like the basic sun sign astrology, you know, right. And that's not quite specific enough, is it? No, because we have, you know, nine planets in our solar system. Of course, we all know that, but we also have, you know, besides the sun, um, we have the moon and we have several asteroids too, that play a big part in one's personality and also their life potentials. So when I say potentials, because we have free will, I know before we started the podcast, we were discussing this. There's always the potential to um, start a different kind of career. There's always the kind of potential to have a specific type of relationship, but it's up to that individual to walk through that door, so to speak. Um, Because there's all these different planets and asteroids that influence our energy and our personality and our potential and our life path, it's really important to take a look at your whole chart, not just your sun sign, because your sun sign is just the kind of person, part of your personality that the world sees the most and what you identify with the most, but it's not everything. So for example, I'm not going to go through everything, but your moon sign is your emotional nature. Your rising sign is kind of the mask 
of the personality that you try to, you know, show to the world. Your Venus sign is how you love, who you love, and how you like to make money. Your Mars sign is your sex drive. It's your ambition. Your Mercury sign is how you communicate, how you learn. So once you start learning all of those different aspects of your chart, the puzzle piece starts coming together. And you're like, oh, this is why I'm the way I am. This is why I like what I like. This is why I like this certain relationship. Or sometimes people say, oh, this is why I can keep a relationship. Uranus is in my seventh house. Like there's all these different factors in one's chart and there's infinite amount of possibilities besides just the one sun sign. Right. And so it sounds like it's like almost like a, a map. And then based yeah. on that, it's like the knowledge is power, right? So you can see, oh, I might have the tendency to do this or this might happen. So then I can make different choices or, you know, something I've been thinking about a lot is like, what are, what are the remedies? Because I've been looking at different parts of my chart and realizing things. I'm like, okay, so like knowledge is one piece. I know in, in India, they do a lot of like pujas and ceremonies. That's their kind of remedy for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm curious, what do you, like, what would you prescribe or how would you help like your client when, you know, if you, if your client comes to you and they have like, say a really difficult aspect in your chart, like how do you advise them on how to navigate that? I'm sure it's different for everyone, but just, Yeah. Sure. Sure. So I'll just give an example. So Chiron, everybody's a Chiron in their chart. It's an asteroid. It's our wounded healer. It's usually a trauma, a very specific trauma that um, we went through as either children or young adults. And um, that trauma actually builds our character, makes us stronger. But some people are still in that phase where um, they're still stuck in the shadows of their trauma and they're not coming out of that trauma. So depending on how their Chiron is aspected, what sign it's in, what house it's in, um, a lot of the people I see are early 90s babies and they have their Chiron in cancer. So cancer is the mother. So a lot of them have a mother wound. So it could be that their mother just wasn't there because she was working a lot and she was a single mom and it wasn't intentional that the child and now adult feels like they didn't bond properly with their mother because their mom was a single mom and just trying to survive. But then we have people who with that, with that Chiron and cancer, maybe it's squaring their moon or opposing their moon. And, um, their mom was intentionally neglectful or intentionally abusive. So that's another story. So I, I encourage them to, you know, work on their own divine feminine balance. So for somebody who is just, you know, non-intentionally non-bonded with their mother, I encourage them to get in touch with the part of themselves that is that gentle nurturing part of themselves and nurture themselves and nurture others. If somebody went through like abuse kind of issues, that's something I can't completely heal for them. They have to heal for themselves, but therapy really works. You know, people need that validation. Like you went through a lot of trauma. It would be really good for you to find other feminine role models that might be a little older for you, like a grandmother or maybe like a boss or an, an older woman in your community to help heal these wounds. You can't do it all on your own. So there's different, um, definitely a lot of different wounds that people have that I see um, personally. And of course there's relationship stuff, which I'm sure we'll talk about later that I have recommendations for as well, but it's ultimately up to the client to seek help and do the help and do the, I mean, do the work for themselves. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's part of the um, the empowerment of, of knowing, having that knowledge of like, okay, like looking at all the different pieces of your chart. So um, I guess, okay, I'm going to switch it up. This one's for all my Virgos because you know I'm a Virgo. So something I've always heard is that, so, you know, Mercury at the moment rules Gemini and Virgo, but something I keep hearing is something to do with this planet called Vulcan, which makes people sound like Star Trek, but I've heard people say that like when Vulcan comes into our solar system, that Virgos are going to have this big awakening. Is this true? Like, tell me about this. Cause I'm like, I'm like, where's Vulcan? I'm waiting for it. Cause I do feel that I do feel the mental pull of, of Virgo a lot, you know, like yeah, I joke about I it, but it's real. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I was just talking about Vulcan with my business partner. <laughs> so it was like, this is so like apropos. Yeah. Anyways, like Vulcan, um, it is like the, the God of volcanoes, of course. So explosions. Cause you know, Virgo actually is like, it's, they're very pent up and then they have the explosion and also rules machinery. So, you know, Virgo does like to work with their hands and they, it rules math. So in science, so they like little things and the details. So I can see that I've not heard anything personally about like when Vulcan moves into our solar system that um, that's something I'm going to have to um, research a little bit more. That sounds really interesting. Um, but with Virgos in general, I think they're very misunderstood because of the association with Mercury um, and how I teach it to my astrology students is. If you think about Mercury, is there's two sides of Mercury, right? It's Gemini, the twins, is ruled by Gemini. Uh, we have the communication sign with words, and then we also have numbers. So Virgo's more of the numbers side of Mercury because math in itself is a communication. Think about astrology. Astrology is sacred geometry. It's communication through math. Yeah. It's yeah, it's so interesting. It's so fascinating. And you can go so deep into all these different yeah. little rabbit holes. So, um, you know, I want to encourage people to, to book with you, of course, because yeah. it's going to be the best for like, if they really want to look at their chart, but what would you say are like the five top things that people should look at? Because there is a lot that you can actually look up to, to get yourself started. It's not a replacement for a, for a professional astrologer, of course, yeah. but like, what are your first like five? I know you mentioned already like sun, moon and rising. And like, what would you say are the other few that are like sure. must look at? Sure. So Venus. So what is your Venus sign and what house it is it in? So let's give you an example. My Venus is in Sagittarius, but because it's in my 12th house, it takes on a very different flavor or connotation. So the houses of the Zodiac, there's 12 houses and each represents um, a different I would say like genre, if you will. So um, because my Venus is in the 12th house in Sag, 12th house is of secrets, is of it's of undoing, it's of the um, unattainable, it's basically intangible. So because of that, um, my love nature, I tend to love people from afar and I have difficulties actually you know, completing the love bond, if you will. So Sagittarius is such a fun sign, right? It's like, oh, you're adventurous, da, 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 da. but it's like, does that relationship actually take place outside of my mind, outside of the astral realm? Probably not. So it's very important for people to look at their Venus sign because it's their love nature and see what house it's in, because that's really going to help people figure out why they are in the relationship situations that they're in. The other thing I would tell people definitely look at because everyone's interested in love is the asteroid Juno. Juno looks like a torch. 
Um, it's the asteroid of not only marriage, but of soul contracts. So if you see that your your Juno is in a certain house and a certain sign, that's usually the kind of people that are going to be best for you in the long term because it's soul contracts. So let's say you're being your Juno's in Capricorn, that's going to be like the best marital partner or best kind of business partner or best best friend for you. So you have to combine your Juno sign and your Venus sign and um, kind of figure out like. What does that tell you about your relationship nature and your love nature? It's a really big deal. And then lastly, um, I would definitely look at one's Mars sign because it talks about our motivation and where is that placed as well? Is that placed in the MC or the IC? And the MC is the part of the chart where it's the career line. And the IC is like where you're very comfortable. So just take a look where your Mars sign is, because that's where your motivation and where a lot of your energy flows in your life, depending on the house, the sign and the placement. I have Venus and Mars and Scorpio. I love it. My Mars is also in Scorpio. Oh, you have it too. Yeah. 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 It's a, yeah. I actually seem to attract quite a lot of people and partners also, almost all of my partners have had Mars and Scorpio. It's very interesting. It seems to yeah. be some kind of a, like a magnetic, but I don't know about the houses. So I'm going to have to, that, that piece, I don't know. I'm going to have to look up the, I've had my chart done many times, but I don't know. Like I, I can't remember. Um, okay. So, th so this is good because yeah, it's true. It does. It's always something that I look up. I have to admit, I think all girls do this. We like, yeah, I know there's we like, we're like, what does it look like? And then you kind of like go through like the prefabricated computer responses. And I do teach astrology classes and I'll start again sometime late next month in June. Again, um, the first session is all about how to read a birth chart, but the second session is all about Sinistry. So we have four classes about how to read birth chart, but four classes is really the next four classes about relationship compatibility, also known as sinistry. So that's something like if you want to take it this way, you can read it on your own and not uh, rely on the computer programs as much. Yeah, no, that's, that's a wonderful service. I think it's a really, and that's something that's like a gift that you can give yourself because, you know, as the, as the, because the earth is always moving, right. So it's always yeah. shifting. So the more information that you have to look at your own chart, then you can sort of start to help yourself prepare for, you know, maybe, maybe what is coming next. Um, but yeah, that's good because uh, no, there's all these funny memes around the internet now that are like, oh, if a girl asks you for her birth for the birth time, right. Yeah. It's like, you know, cause we're all like, okay. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about, which you mentioned in one of your lives, which I had, I didn't know about Juno either, by the way, this is all new to me. And how do you spell that? J U N O. Oh, okay. Juno, just like it sounds. That's the name of our Canadian awards ceremony oh. for music. It's like the Grammys. Oh, That's actually really? what I had it, no idea. Yeah. Ours are called, it's, a, it's actually called the Juno. Okay. So you mentioned something called Black Lilith in one yes. of your lives. So can you, this was like totally yeah. nothing I ever heard about. So can you tell us a little bit about this and why this is important for us sure. to, to look up as well? Sure. So everybody has access to astro.com. I mean, you don't have to buy the subscription service and it's asteroid H13 on astro.com. It's not their traditional, um, black moon Lilith, the one that looks like a crescent with a cross. This is the actual asteroid. So this tells you your sexual, your real sexual nature, also your taboo nature. What is it that you want the most? Okay. And it's very important to be comfortable with that, 
especially as we age, because you will feel deprived in a relationship or just on your own, you know, with no relationship, if you don't acknowledge those parts of you, it's very important. So placement and sign is important, especially in relationship compatibility and sexual compatibility. Um, when I see somebody's one partner's son and the other one's black and Lilith, and they just can't like separate. I'm like, Oh, that's why you're like, you can't get away from this person because the sexual attraction is, is intense. It does tell the story. Right. But then does that intense sexual attraction always point to a good long-term relationship or is it just that like, yeah. (laughs) Okay. No, I see a lot of Lilith contacts with karmic partners. Okay. But then again, there has to be some compatibility as you know, like sexually for the relationship to last for the long haul. So should a relationship be boring? So it lasts for the long haul? No, but I, there, there's different factors. There's different factors. Yes. There could be Lilith, Lilith contacts, Lilith arrows and other great things in the chart, or there can be terrible things in the chart. It's just a variety of factors. Yeah, of course. It's, it's always going to be, that's what makes it so interesting. And, you know, people in the West sort of look down on this concept of arranged marriages, but I've been to India many times. And one of my trips, when I was there, I just gotten out of a long breakup. So I was really talking to people, um, about, um, you know, relationships and love. And it was so interesting to be there and hear their perspective. And and so many people in India, even the younger generation, they they respect arranged marriages. They actually look forward to it because they believe in their elders and they believe in the, in the process, which involves astrology often to make the best decision for them. And so that's actually how these, a lot of these arranged marriages are made, right. It's actually done looking at the charts and it's based off of that. And then, you know, of course, you know, they, they have some issues there with like domestic violence and whatnot. However, there are a lot of in that culture, generally the marriages are lifelong. They are long lasting. And there is this bond that you see between people. I saw it over and over and over again, these older couples who are just very much compatible with one another. They, they're good. They're good friends. You can tell there's love between them. They've committed to one another. They've raised their children. They're still together. They walk together every day. There's this, you know, there's just this bond there. So yeah, yeah, this rhythm, it was very interesting to see. Yeah, definitely. And Mercury, like I was talking about, like communication, that's so important in any relationship. That's the basis of the longevity of any relationship. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure in Vedic astrology, that's something that they look at, not just sexual compatibility, but how they communicate. Like you were saying, they just seem very comfortable with each other. So that's, I feel like in the West, that's something we should look at more. I'm actually developing. I have something and I have something in the works. I'll just say that I have something in the works. Yeah, it's important because I mean, I don't, I, I've literally met, I mean, I've worked with so many different clients over the years and I've literally met people that said like, even, you know, they ended up breaking up or getting divorced down the road, but they did peek at the astrology early on, even from a very basic level and see right away. They were like, it just, it just told this tale from the get-go. Like, no, this is not yeah. gonna. And, and you can see it sometimes, like even just, I don't know about you. I can just guess people's sun signs sometimes just in meeting them. Like I just know because, and this is also how I know astrology is real because like, how else would I be able to just guess? Like I can just look at somebody and I just know, Oh, they're a Scorpio maybe because of their eyes or like maybe something about their build tells me what their sign is. Yeah. You know, I've met people. 
Yeah, yeah, it's uncanny, right? So it's not a, it's, it's a guide, right? It's not, it's like anything. It's not an absolute, but there's a lot of information there that we can use to, for our own benefit and for the benefit of everyone really. Yes. And I like how you said, like it, it already told a story, but they did it anyways. And that goes back to what we were talking about before it's free will. So that's the thing. It's like, you can know and still go down that route, but it's also the potential. So there can be a myriad of challenges in a couple's, you know, synastry chart, but it's up to them to, you know, surmount those challenges or, or not. And also it takes both people. It's not just one. Yes. This is a very big thing. This is where free will goes, you know, haywire sometimes is that one person makes a decision, you know, two people, especially in relationships, right? I'm sure you see this a lot. Maybe two people were destined to meet or be together, but for whatever reason, one person decides to make a different choice and it just, it changes everything. Yeah. Yeah. I looked at a couple's chart. Um, the woman came to me for reading and they had a wonderful chart it, there. I mean, they were so compatible. And then she came to me for a tarot reading, just like a quickie tarot reading. It wasn't a long one, just like a three card pull. And I got three of swords and some others. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. But he chose to go back to his ex. And even though he knew that it wasn't good, and he actually watched the sinistry recording that I did for um, her and him that she um, ordered from me. And he agreed with all of it. But for whatever reason, um, he chose to go back to that timeline, even though he knew, like she told me that he acknowledged she knew it wasn't best for him. So again, we all make our own choices for better or worse. Yeah, we do. And then I think I said this before, but like, and I've, I've seen this many times too, the, the wonderful thing about the divine perfection is that if something, if one thing doesn't work out, something else will, yeah. will come in and it, it might not be the same, but it will be just as good, if not even possibly better. Right. Yeah. You know, I think there's so many people that we can be with or be compatible with. Definitely. Definitely. And that's something that, you know, people in the Western world, especially the Western world, because I know you've traveled. Um, it's something that we're trying to kind of get our wrap our heads around is that maybe you have more than one soulmate. Maybe there isn't just one perfect person for you, right? There's multiple people that can all, they can be incredible for you. And each one brings an experience and a lesson. So positive experiences and lessons to that timeline so that you actually, you know, ascend to your highest timeline and your highest resonance and vibration and frequency. Yes. You know, as you, as you can imagine me having Venus and Scorpio, like I've, you know, had a number of, you know, lots of different relationships and relationships have been a big, big, very, a big intensity for me. And like, I say, it's like a joke. I say like, oh, I feel like a karmic slut sometimes because I have this knowing that I've known all of these people yeah. before. I just yeah. know, and they know it too. It's like, Same. we spoke about this earlier. It's like, they, I, they think I'm their property. I'm like, no, <laughs> like maybe in another time in another, you know, maybe. And they remember that, right. It's very interesting yeah. with this thing of, you know, when we meet people that we've known before is that memory is still there. It's like, oh, you're mine. You're my property. I'm like, oh, not this lifetime, honey. You know, but I, I see that there was a reason for us to reconnect and to heal something or to learn something or to let, you know, let one another go with love. And that is, and I think probably there's a lot of that happening during this time, isn't there? Because of the, um, just the process that we're in collectively, right? I would think that 
you know, a lot of us are meeting up with old souls to, to whatever heal or clear or whatever it is that needs to happen. Right. Right. I think part of that right now is asteroid karma. There's an asteroid called karma and it's just like what it sounds. It's about karmic experiences. Doesn't mean they're necessarily negative. It just, it's about karmic agreements, past life agreements. It's traveling with the South node in Scorpio right now. So when we had that lunar eclipse, uh, about mm, almost two weeks ago now that really shook up a lot of those karmic agreements. So people have, you know, made peace with some of those karmic agreements and cut ties with those karmic agreements. And now as a collective, we're more focusing on our individual power and being in our own true nature. And that's what that North node Taurus with um, Uranus and Taurus is about because Uranus is the planet of freedom. It's about um, kind of being a revolutionary and changing things up and doing things your own way. And Taurus is all about being in your true abundant stability or stable nature. So we're moving away, right, from these karmic agreements and moving towards being in our highest selves, our highest power, and um, not something that's egotistical, but that's just very natural that just flows. So it's very beautiful to see a lot of people step out of those karmic agreements and more into their individual power, which I believe will attract the right partners and attract the right people in general into their lives. Yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like with the karmic relationships, there's always this aspect of like maybe settling or um, compromising a part of the self in order to like please or appease. Yeah. So, and I, and I, I feel that very strongly for, I've seen that, like felt that both for myself and for clients as well. Like there's this big push right now, just for people to really step into their own, um, authentic self and to honor the self above, above all. But, um, okay, let's talk just for a second. Cause I think North node and South node are also important, right? So can you yeah. explain? Cause remember some of yes. us, some of us don't always know what you're talking about. So yeah, cause I know North and South node are important. So can you explain yeah. a little bit about that as well? Sure. Yeah. So these are the nodes of the moon. Um, they change every year and a half. And the North Note, and this is also part of Vedic astrology too. So for those who know Vedic astrology, they're called Rahu and Ketu, and it's the head of the dragon and the tail of the dragon. So um, the North Note, Rahu, is what we're trying to move towards. It's our destiny. It's our soul's purpose. It's our life path. And then the South Node is um, our karmic baggage. Now, some of it is positive. Like I explained to my clients, like you come to this incarnation again with a suitcase, <laughs> Some things are souvenirs, right? That are going to help you in this life. Talents, wisdom, um, connections. You know, some not all connections from past lives are negative. A lot of them are very positive and nurturing to oneself. Um, and also we have dirty laundry. So we have fears, we have hangups, we have unresolved karmic contracts and soul contracts between people that we come into contact with. So that's South Node. Um, since then, South, since, ugh, I can't talk. since South Nodes in Scorpio, we're trying to kind of move away from that fear base, that lower vibration of Scorpio right now, and move more into that North Node or the direction of Taurus, which is much more stable and calm. So if you think about the polarity of Scorpio and Taurus, Scorpio is very intense. 
I love Scorpios. I have a lot of Scorpio in my chart. So definitely not dissing Scorpios in any way. Um, very intense, very passionate, sometimes fear-based. Um, but Taurus, you know, very relaxed, very comfortable, sometimes a little too stubborn, but we're moving towards that right now. That is the mission or vibration that people need to be, or humanity, the collective needs to be focused on right now, getting away from that fear and stepping into more of a comfort zone. That doesn't mean, um, something like a comfort zone where you're not learning anything or being challenged, but actually addressing those scorpionic type fears mm. and then moving into your own personal best. That's what I mean by the comfort zone. Yeah. And that makes sense. And that's also feels like that's part of honoring the self too, because when we decide that we want our lives to be just more ease and we stop appeasing other people all the time, which I feel like is a big pattern for a lot of us, especially those of us who are like empathic types that was actually, yeah. that helped me a lot when I discovered, um, so what is it? My North and South node are in, I think the South is in Pisces and the North is in Virgo. So mm -hmm. my, my mission is all about learning how to serve in mm -hmm. a way that is actually like, you know, um, that is nurturing to me. And also it's like, how do I serve, but without depleting myself. And that was indeed what my seven yeah. years of hell was all about was me serving to the point that I pretty much destroyed my life, a whole yeah. bunch of other people's yeah. lives. And it turned into like a giant chaotic disaster yeah. that started from the best of intentions, but turned into yeah. this something else because of all this codependency and yeah. um, ego-based service of, it's kind of like that spiritual ego of thinking that we are the, you know, when it was all said and done one day, spirit said to me, so uh, are you ready to finally accept here that I'm the healer and not you? And I'm like, right, <laughs> like humbled, like, you know, like humbled. And then some I'm like, okay, okay, I get it. And I can see that very clearly, like, you know, here to serve. And yet, how can I serve and serve the masses, but without depleting myself, you know, so this exactly. is, um, this is, so that helped me so much. So I think, yeah, people looking up the North and the South node is is very important. Yeah. Very important. Also look at the house placement too. So, um, yeah, cause that's also going to enhance the vibration of the North and South nodes as well. And if it's conjunction, like any of your personal planets or asteroids, that's also going to change the story as well. Okay. So there's so much to learn. It's so yes, fascinating. Yes. And you're such a, I know, and you're such a wealth of knowledge. Okay. So then what do you see coming up? Like, like, let's say for the summer or the rest of the year, like, are there any sort of themes or what should people know to watch out for or to, to, to work on this year or anything? Sure. Else? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. Um, we are in the last full year of Saturn and Aquarius. So Saturn is the planet of limitations and discipline. It's father time. Um, and Aquarius is that wild card energy that out of the box, um, you know, doing things differently for the collective and actually organizing other people behind your cause that's, that's different and something that's unique and actually going to change the course of humanity. So that being said, it sounds like there's two contrary, contra contradicting energies there. Um, and this is all about leaving situations, group situations that are no longer comfortable for you that are no longer enhancing your life or enhancing the lives of others. So this is about finding people who are really in your true soul tribe. And how do you do that? You put out your own authentic vibration. So that, that is a huge theme for the next year um, that the Taurus and um, Scorpio polarity of the North and South node with the eclipses 
a lot of just addressing um, karmic relationships and also finding our own stability. Like I was talking about before being in your own abundance um, right now, since we're in Mercury retrograde until June 3rd, um, a lot of patience um, for the next couple of weeks, yeah, two more weeks of this, um, you know, especially since Mercury retrograded back into Taurus, just know that we, those of us who are actually doing the work, we are going through definitely a time of divine activation, um, especially with Mars and Aries, Jupiter and Aries, just but there might be a lot of chaos in the collective right now with war, um, kind of a lot of talk about war, um, just a lot of fighting. I feel like there's going to be a lot of fighting um, in different, but it's not just like one war. I feel like there's a lot of pockets of different kind of fighting. And that's at Saturn and Aquarius too, where it's like group against group against group. So as we move into Pluto and Aquarius in 2024, 2023, 2024, right now we're at the last degrees of Pluto and um, Capricorn and Capricorn is all, all about foundations. It's all about um, societal organizations. A lot of these hierarchical organizations like world governments, they're being reshaped because they're no longer applicable to like the way that we live anymore. So um, as Pluto moves into Aquarius, it's going to be a very different world. I feel like we're not going to see like countries necessarily anymore. Um, we might see more of like city states more than countries. So that will be interesting. I do feel like a lot of geopolitical um, changes will happen between here and now. It'll be interesting, but I don't think anybody should be afraid because um, I know you and I talked about this at the beginning um, before we jumped on, like, Humanity is very resilient um, and we're not just going to like all die off. And there's, you know, I know there's a lot in our community about the 144,000, but that doesn't mean that only 144,000 people are going to be left. It just might mean that there's 144,000 light workers on the face of the planet at that given time that are needed to raise the collective consciousness. So that's kind of what, I, what I'm seeing for the next year or so. Yeah. That, oh, that's so funny that you brought that up because that, that 144,000 number I've been hearing for a long time now. And I saw some people like throwing it around. And I think it's interesting because like, I think there's actually way more than that many light workers on the planet anyway. Like I think there's far, far more. Um, but maybe it's a matter of like the ones that actually become enlightened actually, or who reach a certain level of consciousness. I don't know. What do you think about that? It's possible. It could be like the ones that are, um, you know, really speaking out and affecting the most change at that time, it's possible. But also I don't put limits on anything. I don't put numerical limits on anything, even though like 144 is such a like um, astrological kind of number because we have 12 signs. So it's like 12 times 12, you know, but I do feel like it could just be like 12 representatives from each or 12,000 representatives from each tribe or it could be it there there's a lot of different interpretations but anybody can be a light worker right anybody it's up to them it's up to them but we'll see what happens i i'm not going to cap anything i don't do that no and that's good because except are you a capricorn yeah i'm a capricorn you're like i'm not going to cap anything except i'm just going to cap it because i'm a capricorn that's just bad playing words 
things in my own personal life. Yes. But in a world level, like who am I to judge? Yeah. Yeah. I know because I actually, I saw somebody make a comment the other day, Oh, only 144,000 will, will be the ones to fulfill their purpose. And I was thinking like, who says that? Like who, we don't know, because again, we don't want to limit anything. We could have a mass awakening of souls, you know, and, and we already see it happening. Like I've seen it throughout my journey because I've been kind of navigating this world for over two decades now. So like, I've actually seen it from, from me being the weirdo talking about all these things and being like, you know, the weird person to like people asking me, for you know coming to me and being like oh can you tell me about these things to then seeing people out of nowhere going and making careers for themselves and everything out of these spiritually based businesses because they just pop overnight I've seen it I've seen so many different varieties so it's it's pretty exciting you know because some people do they just pop like this and it's like wow uh it's 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 amazing it's inspiring it's absolutely inspiring yeah and that would probably show up somewhere in the chart right you would be able to see like oh right yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah. It's so, it's so interesting. Right. So, yeah. So what, what else would you, what, so what else do you think, is there anything for, particularly for this summer or like for like, what would you say like for the, over the next couple of months, like what are the things that we, or next. is there any kind of collective themes or anything like that? Yeah. So I would say definitely that the Jupiter and Aries, um, a lot of people are going to enter their winning season is what I call their winning season. A lot of like, um, underdogs, <laughs> Are you just going to like pop like, whoa, I didn't know that person, you know, had that talent because this is a new Jupiter cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, every 12 years, you know, we go back to the Jupiter and Aries. So a lot of people are in their winning season, um, especially with Mercury and Cancer and Leo this summer. I feel like a lot of people are going to start um, getting more in touch with their ancestral roots, maybe doing more work. Um, based on those traditions. So that's really beautiful energy. Let's see what else am I thinking here? We're going to go into Venus and Taurus and Mars and Taurus this summer. So definitely, um, definitely some hookups. I think the relationships will like heat up probably around July. I feel like around July, a lot of soul unions will happen, um, very naturally. And, I see like an uptick in pregnancies around July too, because of that Taurus type of energy. So, <laughs> okay, everyone beware because that, <laughs> that does happen. Actually. I remember when I got pregnant, it was like, I don't know what happened, but um, I, I think I had like five friends that were all pregnant at the same time, including people that had never been told, like had been told that they couldn't have children. So I know that there's definitely, I don't know what was going on at that time, but there was something. Yeah. It could have been that. We don't know. <laughs> We never know. Right. So, um, so, okay. So, so people should look for their, well, I mean, they can, you can book a reading too. So tell, tell us a little bit about what happens when somebody comes to you for a reading, like you look at their whole chart and then do you like try to cover all of it or just pick out what the most important pieces are? Can you give us a little review of what that looks like? So when you book with me for just your birth chart, you can book with, uh, for a transits and birth chart reading, which is an hour and a half for a birth chart. That's just an hour. Um, so for the birth chart, I just basically, I go through all 12 houses and all the planets and all the celestial bodies in about, um, seven or eight of the asteroids, major asteroids and how they aspect your chart. And I go through all of that. I go through your life purpose, your soul's purpose, um, the best type of relationship for you, um, what your best career would look like 
what your talents are, what your fears are, what your, your childhood wounds are. Just, I tell the story of that person, what their cosmic blueprint is. Um, also, I try to find kind of like the lighthearted stuff like, oh, you have this sense of humor and da, 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 like you must like this. And also sometimes I can see health issues too, health ailments, depending on um, what the chart looks like. So we go through all of that. It's an hour, it's comprehensive, um, it's interactive. So if I need to ask a question, I will. I do make sure it's resonating and um, usually 99.99% of the time it does. For the birth and transits, I do the birth chart and then we go over what is personally affecting them at the time. Is it a money issue? Is it a relationship issue? What, what people come to me most about relationship and money. Oh yeah. That's I did. I, I did actually want to ask you about, I, I, okay. Remind me, I want to ask you about money and I just want to share a story just to kind yeah. of like exemplify this. It just popped into my mind. So I'm just going to trust to share it. So I had a client um, and she was Chinese and she told me that she saw this um, Chinese astrologer who was very good. And I was going to see them, but it, it didn't work out or whatever. But anyway, so this astrologer had told her there was one specific day and, and, he, and the, the astrologer looked at her chart and said, this day, something really tragic could happen on this day. So on this day, you better be like super, you know, aware or super, you know, you're like, no, no, no. But anyway, what ended up happening to her on that day? So on that day, she took note and she made sure to be super mindful. She was driving in traffic. And had she not been um, you know, extra careful. She literally would have been like smashed head on by another car and probably, but because she, that day she was paying extra mindful attention to like everything because he was like, I don't know what it is. It's this day, like just whatever, like, like wow. all everything on guard. And so wow. something actually did happen. And had she not had that extra quick sense to like, I don't know whether she stopped or she looked or something, she went out of her way and it saved her life. Probably she could have actually lost her life that day. So this is an example of like how sometimes, you know, you can see these things coming up. But yeah, I did want to ask you about money because I know, of course, money is like such a hot topic and I work with people around money trauma as well. So where can people look in their chart to see what their like money karma is or like how they can be supported? How does, how does that all play out in the chart? Second house and 10th house aspect. So second house is our, um, how we earn. So our self-worth. So a lot of us have self-worth issues and because we have self-worth issues, therefore we have money issues. That's not to say that, you know, there's people born into wealthy families that feel terrible about themselves, but to, you know, really make your own income, you have to take away all those barriers and blocks. So I definitely look at the second house on the 10th house and the MC. So the 10th houses are public life and the MC is our career line. So some people are not in the careers that they should be because they're not following their career line at all. It might be because of, um, traditional kind of stuff, lack of education. I do look at the ninth house too. It tells me about the uh, experiences people had with education. So I have clients who've had um, blocks with uh, access to higher education because of financial reasons, or maybe they were young parents, but they still succeed in their career somehow. So it's interesting, but definitely the second house is our money house for sure. Okay. This is all good to know. Yeah. I remember one time I had a reading with somebody and it's astrological. They're more like a Vedic astrologer, but as soon as they started talking, I was like, 
no, no, no. Like I just felt like it wasn't right. And then I found out later that I actually had the birth time wrong. And because my birth time was wrong, it like, it didn't, you know, because as soon as they start talking, I was like, no, I'm like, no, this isn't my life. I'm like, I have a pretty, like every time I see an intuitive or an astrologer or whatever, like I get a similar kind of, you know what I mean? It's a similar theme. And this person was like way, like it was something completely different. And it was interesting. The birth time wasn't actually that much off. It was like maybe 15 or 20 minutes, but even that was enough to really like, just throw it right off, you know, yeah, change your rising sign. You're probably like in between rising signs and maybe you weren't, I don't know what it is in Vedic, but since you're a Leo rising, maybe it made you a Virgo rising or, um, a cancer rising, which is very different. So it changes the trajectory of yeah. all your planets. Yeah. Well, actually, interestingly enough, what I do know about my own chart is that my sun, my moon, and my rising are the same in both Vedic and, um, Western because oh, wow. they, they, they all fall right in the middle kind of, which is, I think why it's like, you know, I think Vedic is a little bit behind. That's a whole other, other story, yeah. but it's, it's so fascinating. Okay. Well, this is like, this is so juicy. So anything, anything else that you feel inspired to share about anything like right now or anything to work out, anything to look out for or anything you feel guided specifically? Well, I feel guided just to tell people that they definitely need to that live out their chart. Okay. Because some people are like, well, I have Mars and Scorpio and I don't feel passionate. I'm just giving an example, you know, or my son's in Leo and I'm shy. So what's wrong with me? No, like you are not everything in your chart, but the chart does provide an explanation about why things might be the way they are in your life. So it's not something we need to live and die by and not something we need to feel guilty of if we're not living in parts of our chart. But I would definitely encourage everybody to get their chart read by a professional astrologer. It doesn't have to be me. You're, you might not resonate with me. You might want to go to a male or an older person or a younger person or whatever, but it's very important so that we start really understanding who we are as a soul, because it really is our cosmic blueprint. And it's going to help us um, with our journey as trying to be authentic beings. It really does help. It reinforces it a lot. Yeah, it, it really does, doesn't it? So I was like looking up my Saturn recently because I realized that yeah. was another thing I didn't really know. And of course I have Saturn in Virgo, which explains a lot too. And I just read a oh, little wow. bit about it, but it was saying I'm like- Hmm? It's so much in Virgo. I know it's like a Virgo. It's like, that's my, everything is Virgo. Like I can't get away from Virgo, but it's, you know, Virgo is about service and the healer yes. and all of yes. these things. So yes. It, yes. I guess it makes sense. And I look like a Virgo, like you said, like I can totally <laughs> see that, you know? Um, so yeah, I was looking at that and then I was wondering, well, like, what is the remedy to that? Because I was, I was seeing, and I could relate to so much of that. Like they said, oh, you're probably the person who feels like you always give a lot and like, don't, don't receive. And I'm like, yeah, that's like the story of my life. Cause I'm like, always like, you know, so it's so important. I've learned over the years that it's so important for me to have people in my life that are reciprocating, you know, and not, not takers and not people who take and, you know, so people that are also giving back, which I'm very blessed to have many of, but I was wondering, I was like, Oh, what is this? Like Saturn feels so, um, I don't just feel so fixed kind of, it feels it like oh, Saturn, right? Yeah. Yeah. Saturn's our planet of limitation. It's our challenge. It's a lesson. It's not brutal, but it can be if you try to really like work against it, it can be. So it's definitely the mountain we need to climb. 
Yeah, it definitely is. So it's it's so interesting. And so again, I'm just so interested in like, what are the, like, what are the, I guess the remedy to this is just to do the work, right? To do the healing work and to, to yeah. know that like, that's the guide map that we can see like, okay, yeah. like I might have an issue here, or this is the tendency, you know, there's that word, um, samskara. Do you know that word? It's like, um, it's a Sanskrit word. Yeah. It's a Sanskrit word. And our samskaras are like our negative tendencies that we've brought forward with us from past lives. And it's those things. And I know from having a lot of Scorpio, like I've literally my whole life watched myself do things. Like I know I shouldn't do this thing, but I'm going to do it anyway. Like I still do it. It's really quite funny. I'm a lot more in control of it, but it's quite funny to literally watch yourself play out these. And that's part of being conscious too, is like you observe yourself, you know? So it doesn't necessarily mean you don't do those things anymore. Maybe you just do them differently or you're able to kind of sit back and watch yourself and go, wow, isn't that interesting? Because it's quite interesting. It's almost like sometimes we can't stop ourselves from doing certain things. And that that is part of the influence of the astrology, isn't it? Because it's sometimes grinding so hard on us, or it's like, if it's really strongly influencing us, right? It's our nature. It's, yeah. our, like I said, it's our potentials. <laughs> Excuse me. It's definitely our potentials. And it's a lot of what we just feel comfortable with. Right that's a big part of it, isn't it? It's like, yeah, we tend to gravitate towards what we feel, what we feel comfortable with. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But there's a lot of shadow work to do. It's never ending. When you're a conscious person, you realize that like, oh, I thought I went through the dark night of the soul. I guess I'm done. No, you're not done transmuting. It's a constant process. The violet flame surrounds you. (laughs) Oh, it's not ongoing. I remember like when I was younger and after I had my awakening a long time ago, like I thought, I thought like I laugh about it now. Cause I basically thought like in about five years, I was going to be like, cause on the trajectory of where I saw myself going, I was like learning this, you know, healing technique and the transformation was so profound. And I figured by the time I got to the master level that I would be like the almighty and then know my whole life, like crashed and burned and fell apart and like all of this. And it's, it's just been sort of, I guess it's kind of, it's been traumatic and it's also been comical. <laughs> in, some, yeah, in some ways because it just is the divine play and for me I always think about like and this was a big theme especially for over the eclipse I was like and looking at all of my shadow aspects and I'm like well there has to be something good about all of this I have to eat my own medicine because I always say to people you know the gold is in our shadow aspects so I was like what is it about these parts of myself that I don't like there has to be something good like if we were all made in divine image then all of these little yeah. pieces they're there to serve us somehow aren't yeah. they Yes, for sure. They are, like I said, transmute it. And also if let's say you are the type of person who um, likes to play practical jokes and it bothers people. <laughs> like I've seen this before. It's like, how can you take that sense of humor and help people instead of like annoy them? You know, there's different ways to take that energy and push it and steer it in a different direction. Yes. Thank you for saying that because I, I have that, like being very sort of an elemental, like, you know, that humor, like that can, you know, I'm a very funny person and I like to laugh, but I can see in the shadow and I see this with other people too, in the shadow, that kind of humor looks like poking fun at people or maybe subtly putting them down. But when you bring it into the light, then you can make it into like really lighting up a room with your jokes and making everybody feel good instead of like singling out one person or a whole group of people and, you know, kind of poking at them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's a great example, actually. Thank you. That's a, that's a very good one because it's like, it's like, you know, it's all there to be, to be evolved. 
Um, okay. So tell us about how can people find you? Where can they connect with you? You do great. You do so much on, on Instagram. Like you, you share your posts and then you do these great lives too, which is why I asked you to come on. Cause I was like, I learned so much from that one that you're talking. I was like, I gotta have you on and chat with you. So yeah, awesome. tell people where they can find you. Yeah. So you find me on Instagram. Um, it's at Sarah Ashley. So S A R A A S H L E Y underscore astrology. So yes, I'm on at Sarah Ashley underscore astrology. Also, I have a website. It's a booking website. Uh, I'm still working on my.com. It's, it's a process, but right now I have a booking website and it does give dip. It gives all the descriptions. It gives some background of me too. That's Sarah Ashley astrology.as.me. So you can book through that website. And like I said, it gives the description of every rating and the price of every rating and my schedules on there. So once you um, schedule, you pay in the same place. It's, it's very easy peasy. So you can find me on there. Um, right now, um, I'm also on a website with some of my soul tribe called themysticarts.org. And um, next month, I'll be doing an elemental magic class with my friend Taylor. And then I'll also be teaching an astrology class and a tarot class down the line as well. So definitely check out that website as well. Okay. So then let me ask you something. Is there, of course, something in your chart that points towards this being your purpose? Yes, it does. Yeah. So, um, my MC, my career lines in Scorpio. So Scorpio is, it has to do with the occult. Um, my Mars and my Pluto are on my MC. So Pluto, you know, it's the underworld. It's also transfer transformative energy. And Mars is also what pushes us to, um, be in the spotlight, I guess you can say uh, motivates us. So my motivation is investigating, um, the shadow side of life. So it could be the, the light and, and the good stuff as well. But, um, it also in my second house, um, is Pisces. And I do have a couple asteroids there. I think I have Ceres there, which is of self-care and healing. And then in the fifth house, my North node is in Gemini. <laughs> so that's teaching and it's with Vesta in Rigel, Rigel or Rigel. And it's also about teaching, learning, and, um, something that I always love. So I like learning about this kind of thing and teaching it to the public. It's just a lot of fun for me. Oh yeah. I can see it. And you're very good at it too. you you explain very clearly. And I just love that you did it since you were a kid. I always think that's like such a good pointer, you know, like the yeah. fact that you were sort of into this from the time you were a young child and that it's found its way back into your life again. Right. Yeah. It definitely has lit up my life. I'm glad that I brought it back into my life and, um, it's not just helping me. I feel like, um, I'm helping other people and they're helping me too. It's like, it's a reflection. It's, it's co-creation. It's not just one-sided. So it's beautiful. Yeah, it is beautiful. I always say that's one of the benefits I get. It's, I think it's one of the blessings of being able to do work where you're, you know, either coaching or doing healing work with people because it's like a double whammy. It's like you help them, but then usually it's something that, you know, it helps you too. You gain some yeah. knowledge or awareness, or it helps you understand something about yourself. Yeah. It's very healing, very empowering. Yeah, it is healing and empowering. And I just think it's, I think I always tell people this when they kind of poo-poo astrology, I'm like, you don't have to base your life on it, but you really have to look at the big, the full picture, because that's how you get a really specific look at your own. And, and then it's fascinating because when the things do line up, it's like, okay, there's, you know, there's really something to this. Yeah. Oh goodness. Well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you so thank much you, for joining you, us today. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you everyone. And thank you for listening and you know where to find Sarah Ashley. You can follow her on Instagram and listen to her great live.
lives. And um, yeah, I look forward to, to learning more and to getting my chart done again with you as soon as awesome. well. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I love that. Well, thanks for having me on today. This thanks for so coming. Yes, such a good chat. Today. Okay, you too. Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to A Voice for Love. This is Surya Devi. You can find me at suryadeviworld.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this series inspires you to discover your own voice for love so you can use it to be a force for good in your life and in the world. I wish you great joy, good health, and the courage to speak up for what you believe in. Peace.